Hello and welcome to another Perusia podcast. I'm Shabal Raish, your host. Today we have the founder of The Gracious Guest. His name is Mike Creevy and he's joining me from the United States. Uh, I had the honor of being on his podcast uh, um, recently and uh, it, was, it was great. We discussed so many different things, not just my testimony, but the Shroud and so many other topics. And, and uh, his podcast and his work covers so many interesting topics and I can't wait to introduce you to him and learn a bit about his faith journey, but also his, his great apostolate that he's doing. So let's dive in. Uh, Mike, uh, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Sharbal, it's so great to be on. And I, I always like to ask you, what, what time is it there right now? Yes, <laughs> it's, the, it's actually, uh, so the time of this recording, it's a Wednesday and it's on in the afternoon we're recording this. So okay. at one o'clock. <laughs> this so is my you, last you thing before I go to bed on Tuesday. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's always, there's always a little bit of time travel in this, which yeah. is fun. So <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I, look, it was great to get to know a bit about you and, and uh, when, when you interviewed me and, and I started to discover more about your work and, and uh, I, I wanted to, I guess, introduce you to our audience and let people know about what you're doing because it is, it is fascinating. Um, but before I do, a little bit about yourself um, and have you, you're a cradle Catholic, is that correct? And, and, That's right. And have you always practiced your faith? Was it something that you were always there or? Was there a time where yeah. you sort of had a, a turning point or a realization of your faith? I think it's a it's a little bit of all of it. Um, I, I someone I just heard, I forget who it was. You know, someone will remind me at some point. But uh, uh, I, I like that answer. You know, when someone says, you know, I'm Catholic, but I don't really practice. And to and the, the good answer to that, of course, is you know, how do you expect to get any good at it? Which I think is sort of the story of my life, like to the extent that I you know, uh, have found myself at these different periods of life practicing it, you know, actually, in fact, more, you know, lo and behold, um, you know, the Lord takes me uh, where I didn't expect to go, you know, so I, I will say, I think, you know, I was very blessed growing up to have a, uh, you know, my immediate family is all Catholic, we have a lot of extended family who are not Catholic, but different, you know, Christian denominations, our area is not predominantly Catholic. So I think one benefit of that was, uh, I, I, grew up in a real ecumenical, I think, kind of environment. Uh, most okay. of my friends as well, you know, weren't, uh, weren't Catholic growing up. And um, I don't think that that really ever tempted me to, to sort of change to a different sort of denomination or certainly not to a different religious faith uh, altogether. But, um, you know, it, it tended to make me realize that, hey, there's a lot of people who don't believe what we believe, you know, so there is probably some, some studying I should do to get to know that a little bit better, you know? And, uh, I, I don't really remember doing that much or very intently until, uh, college. And, uh, I went to Catholic university of America in Washington, DC, uh, didn't realize how sort of special I think of a place that really is until I was already there for a while, you know, being the sort of official papally charted, you know, university in the, uh, in the United States. And in a way I kind of got spoiled there pretty quick. Cause it was like, you know, every day there was something else, uh, you know, like two or three different big things going on. I had my, uh, my, my RA, the one year knocks on my door, I'm writing a paper. He's like, Hey, you want to go to a Maronite mass? And I was like, what are those? I know what a mass is. What, what's Maronite mean? He goes, come on, I'll tell you about it. So I find myself, um, not just at any, you know, Maronite mass, but the patriarch, uh, was there. Wow. With this whole entourage from Lebanon, and I'm, I'm just like, this is different and really kind of cool. And uh, to this day, there's a real, you know, special place in, in my heart, you know, for all of our 
of our Eastern Rite, you know, brothers and sisters. And so, yeah, I just, my eyes were really open at Catholic U. Uh, I was discerning more and more discerning the priesthood. And um, that was rare. I, I think, you know, I really took this deeper plunge into more of the, the intellectual side of studying the faith. Um, I'll go on forever if I just keep it aside. No, <laughs> I don't know if there's something else about, about that you wanted to ask or. <laughs> but this is this is part of were you um so single so you were discerning priesthood yeah in in tertiary education at this point so you graduated mm -hmm. from high school working yeah uh what were you well, doing well I, I was doing ROTC actually I'm an army ROTC to uh, prepare to be uh, an army officer I don't know if that came wow. up when I spoke to you before or not but that was there was a lot of um I just said a lot of currents you know probably going on uh, all of which will, you know, be revealed to be God willing, you know, on, on the other side of the veil, but you know, some of which I can, I think I can see now. Um, and it was funny cause it wasn't my first choice, you know, for, for college. I had, I had different paths I looked at and, um, you know, it's just funny looking back on it. I can't really imagine, uh, any other way that, that things could have gone, you know, for, for me and my faith journey. And uh, what was funny was it, it was, it was a combination of, I think the practical side of, like I said, some of those questions I had, mm -hmm. um, you know, questions about everything, questions about the world, questions about church teaching on, you know, you name it. Um, but then coupled with the, I think a, a real awareness, this was, was just a few years after nine 11, you know, so I, okay. I went into college into uh, this, this, you know, military, uh, prolonged military training sort of, uh, uh, path, knowing full well, and all of us did, you know, that we would likely end up in Afghanistan or Iraq or, or somewhere in, in a conflict zone. Um, and I think all of us did. I don't know of anyone who didn't when it was all said and done. But, uh, you know, I, I think trying to be serious, you know, as, as serious as a 19 year old can be <laughs> about trying to, you know, imagine what it's potentially going to be like to risk your life and, and that kind of thing. Um, I imagine just that alone wow. probably, you know, brought up some, some preemptive questions or just questions about life and good and evil and, and, you know, all, all these kinds of things. So, um, and for whatever reason, I just really found that the church fathers, the, you know, uh, readings in the office of readings, you know, the, mm -hmm. just these, these excerpts that I would stumble across, uh, and, really maybe most importantly getting in with a group of, of other young guys at Catholic U who were really living their faith intently to where, you know, I, I don't know that I was ever pressured beyond the normal level of, of, you know, uh, anybody else, basically when it came to like living your faith is weird, that kind of thing. I maybe thought that a little bit, but once I started seeing these guys who were, you know, playing sports, going to movies, doing normal things. They're not all like clustered away somewhere, you know, <laughs> secret ceremonies or something, or, you know, doing something strange. I really felt a sense of camaraderie with them. Um, and, uh, you know, sowing the seeds really for, for, I think what would really flourish a lot, uh, in a lot of ways, especially when I was in seminary later, which I'll, I'll get to. Yeah. So you know, how long but, were you uh, yeah. with the army there? How long, how long? So that was, uh, I, I commissioned in the army right after, um, I graduated college, went off and did all the, the follow on training and stuff that you do after that. So about an 18 month window after okay. college, I was mostly doing army stuff. And, uh, I had basically been applying for the seminary my senior year of college. And I kind of just tapped the brakes on it right at the end. Uh, and I told the vocation director, I said, look, I've been, you know, preparing for four years 
you know, to, to be this, this army officer, to be this, uh, this military leader, I, I, I just really feel like I have to kind of see this, this through a little bit more, you know, before mm-hmm. I kind of switch paths, so to speak. So I like to say I was, I was continuing to discern though, the whole way through there. And so if you, you add up that additional time, and then I was in Iraq for a year, I had a deployment there in 2008. Wow. And, what was uh, that like? Uh, can you share a little bit about well, how? Thankfully for me, it was, uh, you know, nothing too, uh, too traumatizing for me. You know, now I have close family, um, a lot of friends, a lot of soldiers that that I served with, you know, who uh, saw a lot worse than I did in terms of, Mm. of, you know, the combat environment, um, closer calls, you know, or at least more tangibly close calls. But I often say, and this has been something that, that I, I'm grateful to, um, you know, my, uh, my, my brother, who's also in the army and a lot of others, you know, who would hear me basically trying to downplay my own experience and, and forced me over, over a series of years to be like, don't do that. You know, they were very good about like, that's, you know, I know you think that's humble, but that can actually be, you know, not an honest, you know, sort of processing of it. So I, I really kind of learned, I think through them to say, well, yeah, you know what, like, Yes, others had it worse than me. That's that's usually the case you know, for pretty much everybody except the person who had it worse than everybody else. I guess you know in the grand scheme of things, you know, there's always someone who had it worse than you almost. But um, you know, I mean, it's not normal, you know, to you know jump under your bed basically because rockets are coming in as you're sitting there eating you know food out of a styrofoam takeaway thing that you just left you know from this dining hall <laughs> that's now being rocketed. Um, you know that's that's scary, you know? And, um, what was amazing to me was, I think one of the biggest things that taught me was that in terms of faith, I think, mm-hmm. you know, you can, you can prepare all you want and you should, you know, <laughs> all of us should. Um, but at the end of the day, at least in my experience, it was just this, this real tangible experience of, um, you just don't know. You don't know until that moment, you know, and the circumstances of it, how your body's just going to react, you know, the biochemical reactions that are just happening, no matter how much training you've had, you know, and I I don't remember very often feeling any kind of like crippling fear. The the ironic thing is there have been things since my deployment, you know, just periods of anxiety or periods of spiritual darkness that, you know, I sometimes, sometimes, you know, I I would trade this for a day back in my deployment. (laughs) You know, and not to make light of that at all, but, you know, it's, it's more, you know, human life's more complicated, right. Than we think sometimes, you know, and, and, uh, physical fear and trauma, you know, is one thing, but also, you know, that emotional fear or those, those spiritual, uh, desolations we can experience sometimes can, can really go deeper, you know? So I was, I was very fortunate. Um, one of the things I was most blessed with was, uh, I had pretty regular access to sacraments which, you know, one of the tragedies is, you know, a lot of people in those environments, if you're, if you're in the most dangerous situation, you also have the least access, you know, to regular priests visiting. So, um, it was a catch 22. I was in a, a very sort of high visibility, highly targeted area, but for that very reason, we had some of the best defenses, you know, Um, and also, um, just, just more, more people around more access to, you know, some chaplains and stuff like that. So that was something I took advantage of as, as much as I could. (laughs) You remember that for the rest of your life. I mean, it is a big deal to be, go to the other side of the world and basically be there and, and to be uh, so close to the, um, 
combat zone and um, but yeah. knowing uh, you know why you're there and 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 you've come back <laughs> you've come back right. so, so, you, yeah. so tell me about that you come back uh, from Iraq um, you say Iraq I love this because so, Americans and Australians here we yeah. say Iraq or Iraq <laughs> um, yeah and I try to I catch myself potato. all the time. <laughs> we had, by the way, we, we had a little quick, quick, funny story about right before we deployed, we had <laughs> our operations uh, sort of officer, my direct boss. He goes up to the board. I should, I should do it on the, the board behind me, but he goes up and he writes, he writes on the board, um, you know, I R A Q. And he says, the country we're going to, and he's like, really serious. He goes, it's called Al Iraq. He goes, it is not. And he turns around and he writes E Y E hyphen R A C K. <laughs> He's like, it is not Iraq. That's not how you pronounce it. So he was trying to get everybody cured of that. I don't think it took for, for a lot of people. <laughs> now, tell me about, so you did spend time in the seminary. So you come back. Did you mm -hmm. actually further discern and say, I need to try this out? So you did enter the seminary? Yeah. Well, it's funny because I was actually uh, two fun things uh, that I was doing uh, in my spare time here and there from my deployment, you know, was uh, <laughs> I was. I was pursuing the um, all the the paperwork and the the, the payments and stuff for a, a Holy Land uh, pilgrimage with okay. Steve Ray, you know, Steve and Janet Ray do yeah, the Footprints yeah. of God pilgrimage. No one does it as good as them. Uh, They're amazing. Oh my gosh! And I've gotten to know Steve over the years, and he's he's just yeah. he's wonderful. I still use his videos in my classes sometimes because they're just they're fun, but. Uh, I found this, this really ironic situation because my brother and I were both going to go together and uh, he was also in the army. He had deployed for a year and a half before I was in Iraq. Then he was there um, or then I went there. Then he went again after me. So we were like alternating for four years, basically going back and forth. And uh, while I was there, I'm coordinating with him through email to basically, hey, you know, we've, we've these young guys were not attached in any way. We have deployment money, you know, saved up because we can't spend it really on anything. Um, let's do a Holy Land pilgrimage. And it was to Greece and Turkey and Israel and Egypt, you know, a cruise and like you'd go inland and everything. But the irony was I was planning all of this and doing the itinerary and everything further away from home than we would be you know, on that trip, which felt a little strange. So I'm doing all of it from the biblical land of, of Ur, you know, right up the river from where Abraham you know, was from and, and, wow. uh, and even then, like, and that's, that's, that's probably, you know, uh, people always ask about the deployment and they're usually wondering, I think about, you know, the, the toll of it and, and processing it. But honestly, mm -hmm. the biggest things I remember were, it was the first time I was really in biblical lands, you know, and that just was, yeah. I never got tired of reflecting on that, you know, or like I read the book of Tobit while I'm there. Cause I'm right along the Euphrates and the Tigris and, you know, oh, it's, wow. it's, um, there's, you know, how I think in the story, there's a, a fish that starts to like get his leg and it's like swallowing his leg or something. And everyone always says, oh, that's, you know, that's hyperbole. And like, I don't know. Cause we had a guy catch like a six foot fish in the Euphrates, you know, and, like he's holding it up on this, this wow. line and it's as tall as him. So, but, um, but that was amazing that, you know, I got to go home, uh, right around Christmas, 2008. And then in March, of uh, 2009, my brother and I went on that pilgrimage, you know, which took us back to, you know, parts of the Middle East. Then we ended up yeah. in Egypt. And um, so just, you know, to this day, you know, those that that, you know, year and a half that, that I got to uh, go to all these places that are in scripture in so many different places in scripture, you know, mm -hmm. um, and I have, you know, my students we have coming up now on the uh, the story of the Babylonian exile. 
Uh, we have a baby boy on the way. I was telling you about before we started recording him. Oh, the congratulations! Naming him, naming him, thank you, naming him Daniel. So I'm thinking like that was that happened right down the river, you know, from where, yes. <laughs> from where I lived for almost a year. Um, wow. So yeah, so that was the whole time, you know, I'm discerning the priesthood and uh, feeling this this reinforcement. Um, at least in, in the, the need to go into seminary to discern it full-time, as they say, you know, and, and mm. I really, I, I try to pass this advice on to other young men that, you know, um, you know, going to seminary doesn't mean you're going to be a priest, of course, you know, and, and that really helped me to kind of see that, you know, there's, I, and there may have been, you know, back in the old days, and there may have been a stigma. I've heard sometimes the old timers said there could be a stigma if you went and then you left. Someone thought something was wrong with you and all that, you know, if you <laughs> went to the seminary and left. But I think we've done a really good job, at least where I've visited, you know, in the seminary experience I had of trying to encourage, you know, young men to, to take it seriously and to, yes. uh, you know, go there and, and spend this time to discern this full time, which is what I got to do, which was great. How many? How long were you there in the seminary? Yeah, so I, I studied for the diocese of uh, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. It's the diocese okay. we're we're in now, uh, the one I grew up in, and uh, I went to Mount St. Mary's in Emmitsburg. Okay. So, which is a neat connection because I, I've been showing this off lately. I, I have this first class relic here. Oh wow! Of us of St. Elizabeth Ann Seton, and um, I don't know where my mother in law got it, but at some point in her life, it came to her, and she gave it to us. So I've been really you know, I, I don't carry it around with me day to day. I, I keep it at home safe and sound. But, but uh, you know, I grew up going to St. Elizabeth Ann Seton Church. It was one of the first churches named for her. Um, and she's, you know, one of the first, I always get the order of these things mixed up. If, you know, I think the first U.S. citizen canonized was was St. Francis Xavier Cabrini, unless I'm mistaken. But, okay. um, but Elizabeth Ann Seton, you know, the first sort of kind of natural born U.S. citizen, you know, yes. to be canonized. And, uh, you know, we grew up just about a half hour, you know, give or take north of, of Emmitsburg, where she had her whole, you know, operation set up where in large part Catholic education in the United States really kind of began and, and flourished from Emmitsburg. Um, and it's just, it's a place that's charged with so much uh, spiritual power and meaning and history. And, um, my bishop, you know, at the time, Bishop Rhodes, who's now the bishop out at Notre Dame, out there at the in, in Fort Wayne, uh, South Bend in the U.S., he was our bishop at the time and uh, and sent me there. And so I was there for one year. Um, and by the end of it, you know, it's interesting, like I said before, they tend to advise you to, to do it for at least two years. But at this point, you know, I had been actively discerning for, you know, three and a half, pretty seriously, almost four years. Actually, no, about four years, um, you know, one of which was in a combat deployment, life or death. You know, so I, I really, I felt like I was at the age where I was, you know, I was 26 at the time. I thought I had really um, very sincerely, you know, discerned it and with some great people, you know, and uh, the most important takeaway, I think, of all was just being in that environment um, mm. with these other young men, you know, who helped me to really find, you know, my my faith in this deep way, I think that, that I knew at the time, you know, and know even more now was, was going to be the basis, you know, for whatever came next. And, yeah. um, and honestly, yeah. the best advice I had there was my, my spiritual director. Have, have you ever spoken to father Leo paddling hug at all? He's, yes, he's a yeah, priest. He's been he been out yeah. twice. Uh, he has a good friend. Okay. Of 
that's wonderful. Yeah, Father Leo was there at the time. He was he was wow. at the seminary. That was his, where he was stationed, and uh, uh, that was awesome. I think. Did he cook for the that, seminarians at the time? He did, and that was the, yeah. this, he was my spiritual director, and, and so he wow. was the same. Um, it was the same year he beat Bobby Flay in the the Food Network, wow. you know, and competition. Really the same. <laughs> so this, yeah. <laughs> And, uh, and it was funny because they told us, you know, like, you got to pick a spiritual director. They had, you know, were explaining a little bit of, of how that worked in the first week or so. And uh, he gave a homily that just really struck me. And it, I thought, you know, I think, he, I think he's the one for me for whatever reason. I just, you know, felt that. And I went and I asked him and I, you know, we had a good laugh because I said, so like, what do I do now? Do I like give you a rose or something? Like, is there, <laughs> like, <laughs> said, is there some sort of procedure? You know, like you're the one, um, you know, like some you know, bachelor, bachelorette TV show or something, yeah. but, uh, but no, he was, he was wonderful. And we'd meet, you know, I think you'd meet like once a week or every other week with your spiritual director and you had your formation advisor for more general things. And, um, but at one point he could just, I was stuck on this whole, you know, my being called to, to marriage or called to the priesthood. And I just, how do you know, how do you know that? And he, he basically gave me this assignment to basically go partake in what he described as a holy fantasy. I'm like, what, what is this? And he told me to basically do not back to back for two hours straight, but, but, you know, sequential holy hours, like holy hour today and holy hour tomorrow, you know, cause we would try to do one every day. Mm. Um, and he let, let it be up to me what order I wanted to do it in. But he basically said, spend as much of that hour as you possibly can imagining because, you know, he knew I was I'm very imaginative. I kind of live in my own head sometimes. And, uh, you know, a drama guy, I did music and theater in high school and all this. So he's like, just, uh, he goes, imagine every tiny little minute detail you possibly can and like, like run it like a movie through your head of everything you imagine would happen from now until your death, if you're called to the priesthood. And then I want you to do the same thing for married life. And I'd never heard, I've never heard anybody else advise that. So I always tell, like I share this too. And I did it and it was exhausting because I really <laughs> tried to be a specific, and I tried to think of the good, the bad, it wasn't all sugar-coated. I'm trying to imagine like illness and, you know, persecution and like all these kinds of things. And what was, what blew my mind was in both of them, the ending was the same where, you know, yeah. at the end of it, I basically was, was in a deathbed with, you know, a handful of people that I really loved that were there with me as I crossed over. And it just, it like wrecked me, you know, where it really hit me that, you know, here this whole time, a lot of my, the fear in this discernment has been characterized by this sort of, when I say, you know, demonic, not like I was, you know, full on demonic oppression or something, but this, you know, this kind of, you know, one way or the other, hell influenced, deceptive kind of, you know, fear of you're going to be alone. You're going to be alone. You're going to be alone. Mm. And like, you're never, nobody's ever really alone. First of all, you know, and it just really kind of took the the pressure off me. And it also gave me this, this, you know, what I laughed with him about later was, uh, you know, I, I had all this pressure on myself of like, I've got to get this right now. And it, what really clicked too with it was, you know, well, you know, if the Blessed Mother appears to me today and says, Mike, it turns out, yes, you're called to the priesthood. I still have to study here for years, you know, and yes. then get, it's not like I can run to the bishop and be like, I'm ready. And likewise, you know, if I'm called to marriage, I said, I don't have like girlfriends outside, like waiting. <laughs> like I said, you know, if, if she exists, that part, that's part of a path, you know, somewhat down the road. I, I, I need to still grow more either way. And so that was, those were just some, some big takeaways from the experience that, again, part of the reason I always tell guys, like, if you're even remotely thinking about it, 
do because <laughs> yeah. it's just there's nowhere Good else point. that's going to give you that opportunity you know to really to pray about it that way that intensely you know so is that uh so it was a solid year then in in the seminar yeah. it was a bit longer yeah no it was well it was, so it was one one full academic year with okay. you know a little bit before that you know to kind of prep and everything so yeah sure yeah did you know uh, it was 20 years ago as of this record i was in the yeah. seminary myself and, oh, okay uh, yeah i remember it was a year it was a year in the um sydney archdiocese and seminary and okay. then i was under the maronite uh bishop in the maronite eparchy and i was sent to lebanon and study there for further discernment and uh oh, wow. and it's interesting because within the maronite right you actually can be married and be a priest right so you've got to get married first and i i knew from day one i, I was called to marriage but i remember thinking well i can be both why don't i just do both but i i just right. was struggling with I did that whole exercise of imagining myself as a priest and then imagining myself as a married man and fast-forwarding and seeing what that did. And, and you know, it was like the marriage was constantly there. It never left right. me. It was there from day one, before, during, and obviously after. But then, you know, that idea of the priesthood was, was – I was there to discern if that was true. And I loved the seminary. And I, I almost felt like um, – because we were told we are going to go to Rome to study, and I was excited to do that. Mm. But I knew <laughs> – I would be lying to myself if I was just going to study in Rome and then pull out, you know, and then go get married. Right. That wouldn't be fair. So I had to be honest. And But it took it took a good amount of spiritual direction and prayer and discernment to say, wow, because you, you're choosing between yeah. two goods. And, and I highly recommend right. anyone, a man or woman, think about that religious life, the vocation and uh, priesthood, uh, uh, being in a religious life, whether it's a brother or a nun, and and think about that. Consider that first, because the thing that got me over the line was, um, you can try out the seminary, or you know, for this moment, you can't try out marriage. Uh, and right. You shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> and uh, that's it. Okay. Yeah. And I'm glad it's in that order. And uh, right, uh, that worked. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> now, what? So, tell me after the seminary, did you? Because uh, I, I I remember my time out of the seminary. It's almost like a going back to bait, like you're starting all over again. So what yeah. did you do like career-wise, um, well, work and then meeting your, you're married now and uh, yes, yeah. meeting your wife tell us about this phase. Yeah. And it, it's, it's all, all shorten some of it a little bit, you know, cause I, I like to highlight, you know, those, those experiences in particular, but you know, the, <laughs> it, it was funny cause yeah, I absolutely was like, okay, now what, you know, and I was, I was looking <laughs> at a lot of different things. I, I was, I don't remember how long I seriously thought about, maybe doing some government work. Cause at this point I'm still in the, the reserves. I all through seminary. I was still in the army reserves and then the national guard, you know, for our, our, our state here in Pennsylvania, which, you know, it's, it's that one weekend a month, you know, two, okay. they always say one weekend a month, two weeks a year, you know, for like your, your two week annual training. Yeah. But, but you're getting, you know, you're getting emails, you're getting voicemails from your commander. You have to you know track down this soldier and they're not responding to their, you know, it's, you know, you're basically trying to live out like all these army things with people who all have other things to do. And so do you, <laughs> because yeah. everybody's got different jobs or they're students. And, you know, so I was still doing that. That was keeping me pretty occupied. I didn't deploy again. There were a few times that we thought that we might have to, but uh, that, that, that never came to fruition, which I was, I was okay with that, you know, but uh, yeah, it was, it was because I was still in those circles, you know, that it would come up like, Hey, what, you know, there's this contracting job or there's this thing. And, um, sometimes it would be a move to DC or something. And I just, I wanted to be back where I'd grown up, you know, around family and everything. And, uh, so this goes on for a few months and then my grandmother, 
God rest her soul. It was, you know, she got me into this. Uh, my grandmother sees a ad in um, a neighboring parish bulletin for a youth ministry position. Because I know there's the old trope too, that like, you know, okay, well, you know, step one, go to seminary. Step two, leave seminary because you're not called to the priesthood. Step three, become a youth minister, which <laughs> that's not always what happens, but it does happen a lot. <laughs> yeah. So, and it happened to me, but, um, and it was interesting because I, I, I don't know if I ever went to youth group at all. Like in high school, it was just, I just wasn't, it wasn't on my radar. I wasn't really super interested in it. Mm. And in my parish, at least at the time, you know, most of the kids in the parish were, you know, the kind of the bigger school district, you know, uh, in that, that town. And we were like the next town over. So, okay. you know, we were welcome members of the parish, but just as a kid, you know, it, it just felt like a click and maybe that wasn't fair, but that's kind of, you know, I was like, that's all the kids from that town and not our town. And, you know, I'm not really part of that. So um, funny enough, when I had been in some army training, just to kind of help out at the local parish, one of the things they had available was helping with their religious ed program. And in that diocese, it was in Arizona, uh, they confirmed later. We, we do it here in eighth grade, you know, when they're about mm -hmm. 14. Um, in that diocese, they do it like their junior year of high school, you know, 17 oh, wow. years old, okay. 16, 17. And yeah. so I ended up helping out for four or five months at this, this parish, uh, largely Hispanic parish right near the Mexican border. Um, and dozens of kids, very thriving youth ministry program. It was sort of the life team, you know, uh, uh, oh, yeah, program. Sure. And, uh, right. it was my first kind of foray into it. And I was mostly just doing, um, some, some religious ed stuff, some CCD classes, you know, some topics and stuff. Cause I was still really fired up about theology. Now I'm thinking of getting a master's degree because, you know, um, you know, seminary or not, this is all kind of before that. And then of course, after seminary, I really wanted to make sure I pursued, uh, getting a master's degree in, in theology. And so I'm, I'm discerning all this kind of stuff. Now I'm doing youth ministry full-time, did that for a couple of years. And, uh, at the second parish I was working at a couple of years later, uh, what my, my religious or my friend, who's the religious education director at the parish, she keeps bringing up, you know, this girl, Christine, she's like, you, gotta, you know, you, I think you, you Christine. And it's not like a, you know, you should date her kind of thing. It's like, I would I'd tell a joke or something. Or she's like, yeah, man, you know, you have a sense of humor, a lot like her, which is funny. Cause we don't really, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, lo and behold, Christine was, uh, she just graduated from college. So I, I'm, you know, five years older than her. Yep. I've been out of seminary now for about two years at this point. And, uh, she's about to leave to go start her grad program at Penn state. And, and it's a, a master's and PhD program that she's going to do. And she's teaching uh, seventh grade religious ed or um, no, I'm sorry, fourth grade, fourth or fifth grade. And our mutual friend like pulls me away from some youth ministry event I'm prepping for, pulls her out of her classroom, like to meet in the church. And uh, she says to this day, she thought I was awkward. And I'm like, well, you, you were right. We all know that now. So the, the rest is basically history. We just, we started working together. I, I honestly, I reached out to her a few times to help with some events because I just felt like she was pretty much the only like 20 something like girl that I knew who was like really into her faith and was yeah, like yeah, really yeah. mature and responsible. Where, like, where are you at this point? So, because what, uh, what area yeah. in America? So we're back you know, our, our home area, kind of Harrisburg, Pennsylvania area, okay. sort of okay. South okay. Central okay. Pennsylvania, not far from Gettysburg. You know where the big the big Civil War battle was. We're right up the oh, road wow. from there, yeah. and, and Emmitsburg. You know they're all pretty close. It's basically right between Philadelphia and, and Pittsburgh, right yeah. on the, the okay. turnpike, right there, right in the middle of the state. And, um, so yeah, so we, uh, 
started dating and then she moved, you know, up to Penn State, you know, which is further up right in the center of, of Pennsylvania, about two hours away. And we did the distance thing for a while, uh, got engaged, got married. I moved up there and uh, they didn't have any ministry jobs. And I was really at this crossroads of like, well, now, like, I've kind of committed. I'm doing my master's degree at this point at, uh, through Franciscan University's distance oh, program. Fantastic. And I'm like, this is, you know, I'm, I'm kind of all in now. Like it's with each passing year, it's, it's like too late to go back to government work. Yeah. You know, I was just How getting long, out. How long, by the way? How long are yeah. we talking? So did you get married from the moment you met her? And no. Well, so we, yeah, we, we dated for, we dated for about like a year and a half or no, we okay. dated for about a year and then we got engaged and then we were engaged for two years Okay, um, because we got normal. engaged right when she was kind of starting her, her master's program. And then I moved up there like a year later. So we, we were distance engaged, you know, and, um, now with just three little, well, the th third one on the way with the two kids. Now yes. I go to bed. I'm usually asleep by this point. Um, <laughs> uh, I can't imagine driving you know, two hours back and forth and back and forth. I mean, that's for, 20s and early 30s somethings yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you know but uh so yeah we got married um we had the, the ceremony and everything um back in our, our home area where our families are at um at the at the church we actually met at which was appropriate you know and where i had been working you know and then um but we we, we were living now up by penn state and uh, there's a little catholic high school up there that uh, took a risk on me of hiring me to be their, uh, for a while, their only theology teacher for all four grades. Wow. And it, it was a very, very small school, about 150 students, but they were all, all mine. I had, you know, four years of theology with them. So it was, it was a steep learning curve because I didn't have any background. I, I had taught different ways, you know, presentations. I had taught things in the army, but I had no sort of secondary education training or any of that. And, oh. um, but it really became this, this, this passion for education. Um, and it, it kind of fused this this experience I had at that point with young people, you know, into this more academic environment, um, and then more the involvement with families and stuff like that too. And uh, and now I'm I'm this is my tenth year of teaching high school. I've been at the school I'm at now for the past five years, um, okay. and you know, really gotten into classical education. A lot of us, I, I basically spend what little spare time I have on the side reading everything I can about you know, education, education, philosophy, Catholic education, you know, um, because I've anymore, I feel like that's, I mean, that's, that's, that's kind of what it's all about, right? You know, this, yeah. this full uh, formation of, of like in the seminary, you know, did you guys have the four pillars model of like, you know, human formation, intellectual, spiritual, and, um, what's the fourth? <laughs> Would it be in the or yes, right, right. Right. And I, I think there's a, a real, um, I think that dovetails nicely with, with a lot of what I've, I've been working on on the side, which I know we're going to get into here too, as well of, um, kind of the, that integrated whole person yes. formation, yes. you know, um, and that's, that's something I've really learned along the way and, and wish yeah. I had had, you know, when I was in high school. Fascinating. Now you have, um, uh, so a couple of kids, a third one on the way. Is that how old are, mm -hmm. are your children now as of, as yeah. of this Oh, it's, it's, it's flying by. So uh, our eldest, she'll be seven in a couple wow. of weeks. We have a, a, a three and a half year old. So the okay. two girls, I even have a friend got me the t-shirt looks like a Top Gun logo and it says girl dad. And then okay. we found out we have a boy on the way and I was like, oh my, we got to 
change things up a little bit. I said, yeah. we've got little, now we got some diversity in the household here. Yeah. So we're, we're excited. Just it's, it's, it's a whole new experience. So, but, uh, and they're so excited, you know, for a little brother, you know, so we'll, uh, we'll see how we'll see. I'll, I'll give you an update before That's too it. long. You're on <laughs> now. So, are you, are you still teaching now, did you say? Are you still teaching yeah. theology at full-time? Yes, yeah, and I also teach for um, Homeschool Connections as well, which you know some of the yeah. audience will be aware of. Um, Absolutely. We'll put links. And, um, them. They're great. They're doing great it's, work. It's fun. I was just on a – I had a, a class this afternoon. I'm doing a, a Catholic social teaching course, you know, at the time of this recording, the Didache series. I actually – I feel humbled because I'm, I'm apparently following in Trent Horn's footsteps. I've never met Trent. We've had some email correspondence over the years. I'm a huge fan of his. Yeah, and uh, he just he got super busy with everything he's doing. So he had taught some of these these, um, you know, the Midwest Theological Forum has these Didache yeah. series textbooks. Um, Scott them. Hahn edited a bunch of them, and they're they're so good. So the, the, the social oh, teaching, yeah, the scripture one, and the, the blue, yes, and then the orange yep. one, and the church, and the green one on yep. church history, and yeah, right. but, yeah, yeah, totally yep. the, 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 that's awesome. That's Mike Aquilina did the uh, the social teaching one, and it's um, okay. I mean. I've, I've, I've seen a lot of Catholic social teaching textbooks and it's not to go off too much on that tangent, but just, you know, it, it, not to say anything negative about them. I mean, I've never really encountered like a, I'm sure they're out there, but I, I've never come across like a, like a heterodox one or something, but it's just, you know, sometimes it's just loaded with like that shutterstock kind of like the photo, like the photos yeah. that are instantly irrelevant. The moment you, yeah. you know, <laughs> like you have the, like the teens shopping. Cause that's what the teens do, you know, and they're, they're like, it's like a, it looks like a, a 90210 like picture. And it's just like a kid sees that and it's like, oh, but you know, if you put in like a Rembrandt, yeah. you know, just something really timeless, yeah. that's, that's not like ephemeral, that. you know? So that's just, yeah, the structure of it. You know, I think um, those, those texts are wonderful. So uh, kudos to homeschool connections for <laughs> bringing the yeah, dedicated courses back. Yeah. Amen. Now on the side, let's talk about this. So you, mm -hmm. you have a, a number of podcasts. Is that right? So can you tell us, you have a website. Yeah. What is the name of that website? So it's uh, thegraciousguest.org. Right. And, and what uh, which is, it's, it's showing up more like in searches, which is nice because for the longest time I, I was like, did I, should I rename it? Because like, you know, you do like Google searches or look on Facebook and you'd get stuff about like how to throw the perfect house party, you know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, like that I get that I brand myself wrong. But long story short, with that was you know going back to the maybe more of the dramatic flair. I, I've always loved uh, uh, theater. A, a little side thing I do intend to do. I just don't have time right now to do it. Is I want to. I'm trying to get more into audiobook uh, recording as well because um, I, <laughs> I I finally accepted that I don't go around touting it. You know because that would be weird. But uh, I finally accepted that there does seem to be enough. You know. Um, there, there, there are enough people out there who have told me that they like the sound of my voice that I'm like, okay, well, you know, maybe it's a gift I should use for good because I, I get annoyed. I'm the one who hears it all the time. Right. Cause I always tell people I like, hey, you might like I my, yeah, it's, it's like, <laughs> no, you might like my voice, voice, but yeah, it's like, but, but imagine thinking in it all the time too. Cause I hear myself, <laughs> but, I, you know, but, um, but, you know, like I said, I did, I did, you know, theater, we did some, you know, home movies and stuff like, like a lot of people do. Like the, I've always had a creative bent. I love to write. Um, I put out a little book a couple years ago. Uh, all of this is linked on the website too, but um, a narrative reflections of, of the apostles, you know, kind of last moments, you know, sort of reimagining um, uh, their final act of courage kind of thing. Just a little wow. kind of um, uh, devotional volume basically goes cool. through each one of the apostles. So all these, these different little projects and um, 
as my faith was really starting to grow in college, I really hit the podcast world hard. Mm -hmm. Like I had the old iPod, you know, the wheel on it and everything. I remember that. And uh, I would, oh, I would download, I I would max the thing out on uh, Catholic Answers Live episodes, right? (laughs) And, um, and so, uh, that was a big one, you know, but, but all these, these Catholic, uh, faith forming, you know, uh, things that had just really become available, um, in that, that mass format, you know? And so I, I just listened to a ton of Catholic radio. So, uh, when I had the opportunity to, um, to host a sort of volunteer, uh, sort of based, uh, youth and young adult themed show for our local mm-hmm. Catholic radio station here, I went in to do it. I had a little thing planned and, uh, the station manager gets there, he, you know, he gets me all set up and he does it. And I do my thing and he gets to the end, turns it off, takes his headphones off. He's like, are you sure you've never done this before? <laughs> <laughs> and I just feel the confidence went up there. I was like, well, you know, I kind of get what sounds good. I mean, just, I, I know what I like to hear, you know? And, and so, um, that led to a six or seven year, you know, and I was doing all that with like when we first got married, I was doing it remotely. So I hosted a youth and young adult themed show that be, was primarily interview based, um, in like half hour every two weeks. Okay. And I got to, it was great. I got to interview all kinds of folks and, uh, local and some, some more national folks that's, you know, I, I managed to get in there. And then I was having so much fun doing that, but I started to feel like, you know, I, I don't want to get, you know, I, I kind of feel more called to do more, you know, than just the, the sort of teen stuff, you know, the teen youth and young adult stuff. And I was hitting a point where I finally realized what it was one day. I was hitting a point where just something felt off, you know, it was, I was in class. I was like, what, something's different. And that's when it hit me for the first time that I was getting to a point in my life where I was more like their dad than their cool older brother. And the, the psychological kind of transformation that was happening at that time. And I was newly married. We had a kid on the way and I'm like, I feel more like dad now than older brother. And as that was happening, I was like, you know, there's other things I want to explore too. And some of these, what now I know are these classical education things I didn't have a name for at the time and like great literature and, and, you know, uh, film and deeper sort of spiritual uh, uh, warfare kind of themes and mysteries like the shroud of Turin, these kinds of things. And so I started just doing an audio podcast because that's, you know, I was doing it for the radio. So I just had the same equipment and I would kind of start doing my own thing. And, uh, really just, just a couple of years ago at this point now, uh, after I'd been doing that for, for years, all audio, I started dabbling with the YouTube stuff. Um, and I really quickly found, you know what, like I can get a lot more bang for my buck here. If I do (laughs) do the video, have it look kind of cool, you know, and then just, you know, pull the audio off it and put them out in these two formats so that, uh, People Absolutely. who like, you know, these different venues can get something different out of it. So now I've been doing this uh, video primarily for oh, about three years, three or four years now. Okay. And really just in the last year, I finally kind of hit that monetization point on YouTube and uh, with a few Shroud videos that, that really, you know, hit pretty big. And more recently, these interviews with exorcists, because th- that's really in the water <laughs> right now. Yeah. Yes. You know. I want to say, yeah. unfortunately, you know, but, but it's, it's good to be able to get that, uh, that word out. <laughs> I'd love so. to touch on some of those topics. Oh, um, please. Yeah. But uh, just, uh, so how often is the podcast? Is it weekly, monthly? Yeah. Uh, I've, I've alternated it over, you know, the, the years, but it's gotten to a point where just that's again, ongoing discernment, right? You know, that hard thing of like, you know, the pressure of like, oh, I, I feel like I should get, get it out this much. And, uh, just, I've seen some good YouTube best practices, you know, that, that have gotten me to a point of like, 
this is what's reasonable for me to be able to do. Try not to worry too much about the growth. You know, it hasn't started shrinking yet. So, <laughs> so right now I'm, I'm, I'm doing, especially with the baby, you know, coming soon, I'm trying to commit to, you know, at least one good interview episode per month and then okay. a shorter, you know, more of a long form about, about an hour most of the time. And then okay. a shorter form, you know, kind of a, a, a roulette of spiritual topics of just me, you know, in my capacity as you know, teacher, evangelizer, what have you. Um, something a little shorter, you know, five, 10, 15, maybe minutes max. Um, so like every other week to just to be consistent, but, um, yeah, yeah. try to get a headliner interview <laughs> per month if I can. So, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Oh, wow. And, and so is it the, the podcast itself is the same as the website, the name? People yeah. So, right. Yeah. So, the, the, if, if anyone goes on YouTube or any podcast aggregator, you know, yeah. uh, um, Spotify, I think Google Podcasts, I think might not be around for a while longer. I've heard, I don't know, but, you yeah. know, tune in Spotify, um, any of those, you know, uh, 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 Apple, you know, podcasts. Um, and, and I forgot to mention this just because I'm also into uh, not all geek culture per se, but you see behind me all my Star Wars stuff for sure. Absolutely. And I am a <laughs> continually aspiring Lord of the Rings fan. I have some of these flags up over here. I give you Gondor <laughs> and the map and all that yeah, prancing, wow. prancing ponies over here. You, can, you know, I can't see it there too much, but uh, I'm on um, uh, SQPN, you know, uh, SQPN does the um, Father Roderick, you know, Von Hogan started that, that network for, you know, all these like secrets of Middle Earth, secrets of Star Wars, secrets of, you know, Doctor Who, all those kinds of secrets of shows. And that's, that's a great Catholic network that, uh, I've, I've dabbled in quite a bit. I'm, I've been on the secrets of Star Wars show for the last three years where we just unpacked, oh, wow. you know, from a perspective of faith and everything and, uh, taken a little break from that just for, for a while with the baby coming up. But, uh, that's fun too. You know, we'll, we'll yeah, sign up sometimes for like, if there's a particular movie, you know, like, uh, Dom Bettinelli, the CEO will put out a huge like Excel sheet of like, okay, here's like a hundred more movies. Who else wants to sign up? So, you know, you'll look over like, oh, yeah, I okay. And you sign up for it. And two months wow. later, eight months, a year later, it just depends on when he gets to it. He'll email you like, hey, you still want to, you know, so I, I think wow. I did a, a, me and him and a, a friend of ours, Andrew Hermes from Catholic Answers. We we all did the uh, the Godfather movies, like deep dives for like an hour oh, and a wow. half on each of them. And so, yeah, so these are just, you know, like it, it's a it's a world I enjoy the the. Uh, the media, you know, a medium of all this dude to be able to talk about these things and, and share them to these different audiences, yeah. you know? Um, and yeah. so, yeah, but the great gracious guest is where you can get all the, the YouTube and the podcast stuff. SQPN, you know, you could find me on there too. Okay. All right. We'll put yeah. links in our description. Yeah. Um, as we, I mean, we, we're coming to the end here, but I don't want to finish yeah. without asking you to uh, just a, a few of the interesting topics you mentioned already. Yeah. Shroud of Turin um, and then exorcisms and things. And I remember, yeah. sharing with you about my encounter with the Shroud of Turin and that image on the tabernacle. Um, but discovering more and more about this topic is just fascinating. And, and yeah. even more now in 2023, what we're discovering versus, you know, 1990 <laughs> and 1980 and 1970. Yeah. It's just so interesting. Um, tell us what, what really uh, surprised you about the Shroud of Turin. What was one or two, yeah. like, really standout surprising facts that you, you I discovered? Think I think just the, the more I've learned about the 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 anatomical accuracy of of, of all the wounds, um, yeah. and the uniqueness of of that set of them, because a lot of people will say in the, the comments, you know, I'll have these different shroud folks on, you know, you'll inevitably get somebody who says, hey, a lot of people were crucified, you know, what's the big deal? 
And it's like, yes, they, they were, but like you're overlooking the fact that the the only person in history that we have any record of having all of those specific injuries inflicted is Jesus. And that's 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 something to consider, <laughs> you know, the, yeah. the you know, the, the evidence for the crown of thorns, you know, the uh, no broken bones, the uh, precise placement of the wounds on the hands, you know, um, in accordance with what we now know about Roman crucifixion, as opposed to what you know, ostensibly you would have seen in artwork of the Middle Ages if it was a hoax, you know, where it would have yeah. been right through the hand instead of down here up to the median nerve. Um, so, yeah, that, that's that been fascinating. I've had a couple medical experts and folks on talking about that. Um, but also, you know, how it matches the sudarium, you know, so well in Spain and, and the um, the 3D image stuff just blows my mind <laughs> you know, and some of the, yeah. the theories about that. So that's that's been quite an impressive uh, topic and I've got a couple more people I'm in talks with right now to bring on to talk about some more aspects of it as well yeah, so yeah. highly recommend people uh, check yeah. that out so you've got this yeah. in the archive so people can go back and look at some of your yeah. previous shows I'm if you just if you tell your know, gracious guest shroud it's going to give you I, I think I oh man it's probably 15 interviews or more maybe 20 wow. over the last two yeah. years and, and yeah. I never planned it I just put up a a summary of, of a little unit I'd given in my, my class right before Holy Week because I wanted to use it as a meditation on, on the suffering of Christ. And that was the first video that went beyond, like, you know, most of my videos had a few dozen views or maybe a hundred or 200 after months, you know, and I was mm -hmm. like, oh, cool, you know? And then that one hit like a thousand, then 2000, it just kept kept going. And so there's, uh, most of my Shroud videos are in the, the sort of thousands or even twenties, you know, plus thousand yeah, views, not. which comparatively is, is so many more than usual. You know, yeah, but I do have a twist on on that number for you in a moment here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, um, tell us. Uh, so you got a range of guests. You've mm -hmm. recently had some on on the topic of exorcism. Yeah. Um, do you want to share a bit about that and why there also seems yeah. to be a lot of interest, uh, whether that's a good thing or not? But uh, uh, people yeah. wanting to know more about this. It's always been a topic, a hot topic to talk about. Sure. Yeah. Well, and it's. Um... I, I forget why the idea came to me, but you know we have a, a, an exorcist in our diocese, Father John Zeta, it's, uh, and you can mm -hmm. find him online too. He's he's very open. More of them are, I think, more and more. They used to be. Okay. It would be a closely guarded secret, right? You know, of who was the yeah. exorcist, and understandably because you know, I've heard so many interviews with them where they they'll say, "Look, the overwhelming majority of calls we get are not." something that we need to yeah. deal with, but, you know, better safe than sorry. But Father Zeta, it's S-Z-A-D-A, -A, and um, nice. can't miss him because he looks like one of the guys from ZZ Top. You know, he's, <laughs> he's I don't know how old he is, but he's, he, he's, you know, full cassock priest. He's a big guy and a huge gray beard, wow. you know, and long, long hair and everything. Like, he, he, he's very, he's an interesting looking person. So I think that's one of the reasons that that, view, that video caught people's eye. But um, I, I did that back last summer and it did pretty well. But, you know, all, like almost as well as like a shroud video, which was my okay. way of measuring. Right. And then we go on vacation and I just I check stats at one point and the thing just exploded. I don't know what happened. It, it hit some algorithm thing in August. And uh, to date, that one's well over 70,000 views. I mean, it, it's it's exponentially my most mute, uh, viewed video. Like it yeah. just put all the shroud ones in the dust. And that got my attention because I thought, well, here you go, because this is this is really important to a lot of people, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, and I struggle sometimes, you know, I, I might be tempted to be like, you know, oh, I'm, am I just being yeah, falling for the clickbait thing? Am I just trying to get views? But by the same token, it's like, well, what am I doing this for? 
you know, yeah. like I'm, do, I'm, I'm specifically doing this to try to get the, the, the gospel out to people. And Father Zeta, uh, he's, he's a phenomenal exorcist, you know, um, and, and he's so knowledgeable on that topic, but he's so mild mannered and so down to earth. And he has a PhD in psychology also. So that he's helps. speaking wow. very, you know, intelligently about, you know, this, this, uh, uh, dispelling a lot of the rumors about how the process goes. So I, I just found it a delightful chat about the, the whole topic and spiritual warfare. Very encouraging. He, he did share some, you know, some scary things, some things he's seen, but that wasn't the point of it, you know? And, uh, the greatest blessing of all was he, he mentioned and emailed to me a few weeks later that he had a number of people reach out to him, uh, because they had seen the interview. Wow. And okay. to me, like that's, you know, I mean, touchdown, you know, <laughs> like yes, that's absolutely. wonderful. And so that led to, uh, uh, then I, Father Lampert, you know, Vincent Lampert's probably the most, yeah. you know, kind of outspoken. He's, he's all over the place. Yeah, that's and, right. Uh, we had him a year or two ago. Is that right? He, he had his book that came out. He's fantastic. Yeah. He's, yeah, and he's so funny because I just, like, some people were like, friends were like, how did you get Father Lampert? I said, I, I emailed him. I said, he emailed me back yeah. in like 10 minutes. He's like, yeah, sure. I'll come on. <laughs> I said, he was like one of the easiest people to book ever. But in that video also, he's, um, that one did much better in the short term, like right away than, than Father Zeta's, I think just because Father Lampert's more known. So both of those right now are really, um, you know, still, you know, kind of, kind of climbing. They got a good audience for them. And, um, but yeah, it's, it's, I think There's my biggest single. Any plans for others? I, I know. The, the yes. Father yeah. Father, no, no. Uh, I emailed, um, Father Rippinger, I, I emailed Rippinger. He, he, um, I know he's very busy. He, he directed yeah. me to a colleague of his that I'm going to be in touch with. Uh, but that okay. one might just be audio cause he doesn't really do video usually. Okay. And then, um, yeah, a couple, a couple others. I know Lila Rose had a priest on, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. I'm trying to get in touch with and father Martins, you know, who's doing that exorcist uh, files podcast, which has been really interesting. Um, father Carlos Martins, he's, He's yes. very busy too. He does all those yes. relics of the, the, Amazing. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, but that's, yeah, that's definitely a topic I want to come back to more and more. Um, we're going to talk about Noah's flood. We're going to talk about, uh, wow. I have a Christmas episode coming out soon. I'm interviewing tomorrow, a gentleman who's an expert on the Tilma of Guadalupe. Oh, um, wow. so it's just, that's it's, right. it's so fun to be able to, you know, explore all these, these different wide ranging kinds of, you know, mysteries Absolutely. of faith and go deeper. So, yeah. yeah. I love this. Yeah. It's all um, <laughs> what you're doing. You're tapping into areas um, of interest that, that what they do, a couple of things. Uh, I, I think for me personally, it reaffirms what we know in the Gospels. It reaffirms the, the invisible world that, that is around us, that we are part of, uh, um, that there is a spiritual um, reality. And, uh, yeah. and, and these sort of coincide in human history actual things where the supernatural and the natural come together and and you you almost got like evidence now that right. solid that, that you can see it's tangible um yeah. touch and feel and experience and record and and this is not just make believe stuff here this is no. this is impacting lives so that, well and can i share one 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 before i forget and i, I know we're running out of time here but this was Ooh. this blew my mind because father martin's you know anyone who listens to the exorcist files podcast which again you know there's disturbing stuff because they recreate changing the names and circumstances so they're not breaching any trust or anything, but, but for catechetical purposes to a broad, just general audience, um, it's, it's phenomenal. And they, they recreate these, these, these scenes and it's, it's creepy because it's, it's like, if you have AirPods in, it's like, you know, you're hearing it and stuff. Yeah. But he said he had, uh, he was talking about the relics and he said he had someone send him anonymously, uh, what they claimed to be a very, very tiny shred or piece of the shroud of Turin, mm -hmm. um, which, 
if it is the shroud, you know, they probably shouldn't have it. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's one of those things where they, he didn't know where it came from and he uh, knows Dr. John Jackson um, okay. out in Colorado, you know, who, who was, you know, headed up stirp and everything and um, were on the stirp team back in 1978 to examine the shroud. So uh, he said he sent it to Dr. Jackson to kind of examine it and, and basically try to give him the best, take he could is you know is does this look like it's a legitimate piece of the shroud and he said dr jackson was pretty confident you know he didn't, couldn't tell for 100 percent sure maybe but said like it really does look like it is so he kept it with him and he said during one of his exorcisms the thing was being super stubborn and um he applied this piece of the shroud and he said uh he said the demon manifested and just went rigid and it almost like it was compelled to do so it put itself into the shape of the body on the shroud. Wow. You know, like with the hands crossed over. And again, it's not like it's an image. I mean, it was just like a thread and he didn't yeah. tell the thing where it came from and he just touched it and it immediately like made itself shroud shaped and was really like, you know, restricted. And I was like, that is crazy. Wow. <laughs> you know? So, uh, yeah, that was cool. Things like that when that sort of thing is no. happening, I mean, yeah, I mean, to get people thinking, you know, <laughs> absolutely. You know, asking some wow. good questions, at least, or questioning their assumptions, their reductionist assumptions, you know, that kind of thing, yeah. the materialism. Yeah. Wow. Well, it's <laughs> oh, exciting yeah. to know what's next. Uh, just uh, just yeah. in, uh, as we wrap up our yeah. final thoughts, like um, what I find is it's so interesting. You've got a, I love how you share different aspects of, of the faith through your podcast. And what can we see long term? So audio books, are they on the horizon? I'd love to. Here's some so. uh, books that you're reading out. I, I, I yeah. want to talk to that. But what other uh, projects, things in the horizon? Yeah, well, a couple of things. I, I um, just in the interest of time, you know, well now and for for me, kind of this stage of my life, um, I just can't really find a lot of time right now to sit down and really write much originally. I, mm -hmm. I have some things I've kind of shelved just temporarily, kind of follow ups to that narrative reflections book. Um, I'm I'm a few chapters into an Old Testament one where I, okay. I picked some characters, some expected, some not expected, um, you know, from the Old Testament where, uh, where the, like the, the one I have out, it's called Return of the Lord. That's the, the one with the apostles, you know, whereas that's this direct encounter with Christ and kind of their last moment. I thought, well, if you're Old Testament, what are you doing? You know, you're anticipating, right? You know, you're seeing these glimmers, these little seeds of, of these deeper currents that are going to kind of come to fruition in the New Covenant. And so yeah. it's, it's very family centric, like these, these imperfect family relationships, you know, that are striving for this, this fulfillment. So there's a few, and, and I finished the, uh, a Rahab chapter that oh, wow. I'm particularly proud of. And my wife was just like, this is, you know, and she's, you know, she's my biggest fan, but also, you know, she's a great critic too. You know, she doesn't just tell me, oh, that's nice, you know? Yeah. So, <laughs> so that's one, but, um, yeah, just, just some others, uh, like I said, audiobook stuff. Uh, I'd like to find out, you know, how do you, you know, how do you do audio Catholic audiobooks? You know, yeah. so I'm, I'm looking into that more. You know, you're to, thinking uh, to, like dramatized a little bit as well in the way in expression. Perhaps, yeah. It's, it's, it, I think it just kind of depends because it's yeah. it's. I feel like that's a whole other level. I mean, I I'm capable of doing different voices and stuff. I do, you know, and I read to the kids and all this kind of stuff, and like with some of the theater background. But I'm, you know, I would never put myself out there as as you know someone who's you know maybe you know, professionally capable with that, but who knows, you know, why not flex that muscle a little bit or exercise that? It's something that's a, an interesting thing. I think it'd be a lot of fun to be able to do, you know, as a little side project, if nothing else. Oh, <laughs> so, I'll, I'll pray for that. I mean, yeah. I'll pray. Uh, yeah. yeah no, thank you. 
So yeah. just finally, that website again for those who just yep. one last time. What, yeah, so the, the gracious the graciousguest.org. It's Ephesians 317, you know, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And that's the whole ministry is based on I may I'm, I, I want to be a gracious guest in this life, you know, and, and everywhere I look around me, I, you know, I have that faith that there's something he's trying to speak to me through, whether it's a, a great book, a great movie, a great conversation, food. So those are all fair game on the show. <laughs> awesome. All right. So, Graciousguest.org. Yeah. All right. We'll yeah. put that down below. And I really hope people go and check it out and um, and, and support that, 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 that website and the post and the podcast and, and just the whole apostle in general. Yeah. Uh, thank, thank you so you. much. Thank you for joining us today and uh, praying for you. Pray for us and wishing you a blessed uh, end of year and a new year. Uh, it's yes. coming up uh, <laughs> as, as, as we, as we enter into this season. Yeah, you too. Thank you so much, Charbel. I really appreciate it. I'll pray for you as well. Thank you so much. Thanks, everyone. I hope you got a, a bit out of that and inspired to, just to hear a, a beautiful story of faith, but also what we can all do uh, once you just serve, give yourself over to God, and, and then what God can do through you. And I think it should inspire many of us that um, to, to start whatever God is calling you to do. So uh, that's uh, another Perusia podcast. I'm Shabarash, your host. Until next time, God bless. <music>